Ciao everybody and welcome to Data Driven Talk, the podcast about data and data storage. I'm your host, Enrico Signoretti, and today we will talk about secondary data. That actually is not that secondary, looking at the challenges it creates uh, uh, to organizations of all sizes and types. With me today, Krishna Subramanian, founder and CEO of Comprise, a startup that develops a product high-mended facing these kind of challenges. Hi Krishna, welcome to Data Driven Talk. Hi Enrico, thank you for having me on your talk. No, thank you for uh, joining me today because um, we met a couple of weeks ago at Storage Field Day and uh, I, I have to be honest, so I followed a little bit your company in the past couple of years and I was really curious and when I saw what you actually do because, you know, from the website sometimes you lose something and, uh, you know, the, the idea was great but I didn't have the the chance to look uh, deeply into it, but uh, after after that presentation, I was uh, quite excited. So uh, we will talk about Comprise later, but uh, uh, the, the first uh, part of the episode is more about uh, secondary storage, okay? And uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, to know your opinion about secondary storage. So, what what is secondary storage for you? Because you know, uh, it's very complicated today. Now, you you can save uh, uh, databases in uh, NFS share, for example, or you can do virtual machine, machines in NFS filers. So, it's it's no longer the protocol, okay? Like like it was in the past. Or you can have, uh, you know, uh, now there is the clouds that uh, comes in. So it's very, very varied and very complicated. So w- what's your opinion about uh, the secondary storage? Yeah, Enrico, I think it was really interesting. You know, you wrote an article that uh, secondary storage has become the new primary storage. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's very true because uh, what we're seeing is businesses today are literally drowning in data. Uh, data is just growing so fast, particularly unstructured data, which tends to be things like genomics data, media and entertainment data, IoT data, log files, virtualization files, etc. Right. And as this data is growing, businesses are realizing that keeping all the data in the same place and keeping the same data protection policies, the same replication policies on their entire data footprint is no longer financially or technically feasible because it's just too much data and too little budgets and time. Uh, So that's why I think the market is really responding. And if you look at all the innovation in storage, you're seeing innovation at both ends of the spectrum. Uh, You have faster and faster performance storage with flash and NVMe and uh, in-memory and all these techniques that are coming up that are trying to address really rapid performance, but they're expensive. And then at the other end of the spectrum, exactly as you said, you no longer just have disk and tape. You now have gradations. Um, You have, you know, uh, high-speed disk, low-speed disk. Then you have object storage on-premise, cloud storage. Then you have tape. Uh, And so there's a lot of innovation now in the levels of secondary storage as well as levels of primary storage. And I think that's why it's so exciting because as a customer, how do you take advantage of all, all these technologies 
and be flexible and be able to move your data to the right place at the right time without disrupting all the work that's happening in your business. All right. And also uh, now there are also these never delayed kind of policies that many organizations are uh, uh, are starting to apply to their data and, uh, you know, they just keep growing these repositories uh, like crazy. Uh, do, do you see the same? Yes, exactly. I mean, a lot of times data has to be retained for long periods of time, uh, either because, um, you know, of compliance or regulatory reasons. And historically, mostly people kept data for a long time just for compliance, but the world has changed. Now, a lot of the reasons why a genomics company keeps its data around or a, you know, Internet of Things company, you know, why a Tesla keeps its data around is not because of regulation alone, but it's because it's too expensive to recreate that data. And if you could keep it at a very low cost and if you could do things like big data analytics on it, then that data set is very valuable. While you were talking, you mentioned so many different uh, uh, fields like genome, uh, logs in the data center, and files from office, and so on. Uh, is this the kind of customer you are serving today? So, or uh, these were just uh, examples. No, that's exactly right. We are addressing all these customers. I mean, anybody that has a lot of data or the data is growing fast and it tends to be unstructured data. So, data that's sitting mostly as files today uh, is a good candidate for us. So we, we uh, our customers tend to be big genomics uh, companies, um, electronic design automation, um, um, media and entertainment, you know, government, um, financial services. These are the kinds of industries that we serve. So, but these kind of guys uh, usually have very, very different kind of, uh, you know, needs, especially in the kind of workloads they, they have. Okay, some of them have a very distributed uh, organization. Others are concentrated in, a, in a, you know, in a single data center. They have the data concentrated in a single data center with high performance workloads. So, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's very, very different from each other. So, uh, can you give me an idea a little bit about uh, uh, the solution that you that you have and how it works. Sure. Uh, so, you know, uh, typically our customers have a lot of file data sitting on network attached storage. Uh, and what's happening today is, let's say you have a petabyte of, of, of file data, um, you're probably keeping it on a primary NAS storage maybe a NetApp or an Isilon or something like that. Uh, and then you're not just keeping one copy of it, you're also putting a mirror of it in another data center for DR purposes. So that one petabyte has now become two petabytes. And then you're probably keeping a few backups of it, maybe two or three backups. So for every petabyte of data that you have, you're managing about three to five petabytes of data. And as the data is growing fast, uh, you know, this amount of data that you're managing is growing even more exponentially because of this compounding factor. What Comprise does is it's a piece of software. You just bring it in. You literally just point it at any storage that exposes NFS or SMB. And in minutes, even on petabytes of data, Comprise shows you how much of that data is actually hot and how much of that data is cold meaning it has not been used in a while. Uh, 
And in most organizations, 76% of their data hasn't been touched in over a year, but it's still sitting on the expensive storage and it's still having the same replication and backup policies as the hot data. And so what Comprise does is it identifies this cold data and based on the customer's preferences, Comprise moves that data, it archives it off the hot storage into any secondary storage of the customer's choice. Uh, you know, we work through open standards, but when we do that, the data looks like it's still there on the primary storage. So if you had a petabyte of data on the primary storage and we took out, let's say, 80% of that data, now you only have 200 terabytes plus some links, so maybe 210 terabytes on the primary storage. And now your backup is only on 210 terabytes. Your DR is only on 210. So you cut your costs by about 80%. But for your users and applications, there's no change. The data looks like it's still there. They can see all the metadata. They can access all the data exactly as before as files because in the background, Comprise is doing all that uh, uh, management. So essentially, okay. yeah, so that's what it does. So, uh, just to recap very quickly, so there is a, this piece of software installed on the premises of the customer that crawls the NAS filers that are available, okay, any, any sort of file, so Windows Server, NetApp mm -hmm. filers, whatever, okay, yes, and, right. uh, and uh, uh, it just to understand, uh, you know, uh, and gives information about uh, the data that is stored in this, uh, in this um, filers. Uh, mm -hmm. After a while, you can decide then to move data uh, around, maybe to a cloud store or a cheaper NAS or maybe tapes, okay, whatever. So mm -hmm. you decide, right? Mm -hmm. So exactly. you decide policies and, and it smooths data, okay. And it's pretty cool because you just uh, have the, the, sto the primary storage that is now, you know, less used than uh, before, okay. But yeah. what happens, so is the um, as you explained uh, during the, the storage field days session, you just leave a link, okay, in, uh, in place of the original file. Mm -hmm. And um, for the user, it's totally seamless. So he doesn't see anything changed on, on the primary store. But then I have, a, I have a couple of questions. One is, okay, now I have uh, two different uh, places Okay, how, how can I manage, for example, the data protection of these two different places? Because maybe one is the cloud and, and one is uh, uh, my on-premises uh, NAS. So they mm -hmm. probably I, have, I need something also to check the consistency of this uh, view of my files, right? Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so when Comprise moves the data, I mean, remember we're finding data that has really not changed in a while, right? Maybe over a year, nobody has accessed this data, nothing has changed on this data, and that's the data we're moving off the, 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 the regular workflow. So we're taking it out of the NAS, we're taking it out of the active replication and backup footprint. Um, and so what's happening is we're leaving instead a, a link in its place, it's a dynamic link. And the reason we use uh, links is because this way, we're using standard file protocols, and which is, uh, and so we don't need to put any sub files on the filer. We don't put any agents on any of the filers. There's really no modification to the environment. You get transparency 
without Comprise getting in front of your hot data or metadata or without any changes to your users or your environment. So it's very transparent. So now what happens is when you're backing up the data now, you're backing up the sim links plus the hot data. And because the data itself is not changing, and we're putting it onto usually a durable, resilient store like the cloud, which already is keeping multiple copies of that data, you don't usually have to also back up that data because it's data that's not changing and the link is getting backed up on the source. So if you want to do a restore, all the data can be brought back. So the integrity of the data is intact, um, but you don't need to repeatedly back up unchanging data because that's why backups are getting so expensive and backups are taking a long time because the footprint that you're backing up just keeps growing and growing, even though most of that footprint is inactive. And so by taking that inactive data out, comprises shrinking down the size of the backup, but the integrity of the backup is still intact. Because if the data were to change, Comprise will put that back on the source and the next backup cycle will catch the changes. Yeah, it's because it's unchanging that a durable store, a lower level of backup is sufficient for that data. No, yes, I understand. So at a certain point, it makes more efficient also the data protection uh, yes. uh, process because, you know, instead of backupping uh, one petabyte, you are just to backup uh, less data. In this that's case, exactly 200 terabytes. Exactly correct. It reduces, that's why the savings are so significant because it not only cuts down the primary storage uses, usage by 80%, it cuts down the mirror by 80% and it cuts down the backup by 80%. And on the backup, the savings can be significant because, you know, depending on the customer, a lot of times people license separate backup software and then they also have backup hardware. Um, or they may buy the new backup appliances, things like Rubrik and Cohesity. But all those things are licensed on the total footprint that they're managing. So when you reduce that footprint, then you you can get better backups with less costs. Yes, indeed. And uh, so you, you mentioned that uh, one petabyte customer, just an example, okay? But mm -hmm. I'm quite curious to understand the better, the, uh, the kind of customers you, you are approaching right now. So is there a limit uh, in, in size for the solution? Uh, can I install it if I have uh, multiple petabytes? Can I install it if I have only hundreds of terabytes? Is, uh, mm -hmm. How complex is it? Sure. Um, so I think there were two questions there. I mean, the first question, that our product is being adopted a lot by the large enterprises. Uh, most of them start with, uh, you know, a few petabytes and then they grow from there. Comprises a fully distributed scale-out architecture. So it's a highly scalable solution. It's designed to scale to hundreds of petabytes and exabytes uh, without any central bottlenecks. It's really simple. You just add more observer, you know, more comprised virtual machines to grow a deployment so you can scale it on demand, very much like the cloud. It's a very elastic solution. Um, and the second part of your question, how easy is it to get started? Most customers, you know, actually start with a POC. And getting a POC up and running is really simple. You just have a comprised virtual machine that you bring up in the environment and literally just point it at your storage. And within about 15 minutes, uh, you're up and running and you start getting analytics on your data. 
Uh, and so uh, the, the product is designed to scale up and down very easily. Uh, uh, definitely a customer can start with, a, you know, 100 terabytes or so. A lot of our customers are many petabytes just because data is growing so fast. And enterprises uh, today, just the reality of their unstructured data is that they're in the multi-petabyte range. Uh, but the product itself is very scalable. No, yes. Of course, the larger customers have... Um larger problems, let's say, uh, this <laughs> yes. yes, and, you know, it, it, it all it depends. Even if you have a, a 100 terabytes or so, you know, you, if you have a limited budget, I mean, we have a lot of universities using our product, and, it, they, you know, the smaller universities or colleges don't have a lot of data, but they have to do more with less. They're very, very budget-constrained, and they're also very resource-constrained. So having a product that's really simple to use, that really doesn't need any training, you know, all the UI is very intuitive. I think you saw the demo. It just looks like an iPhone application. I mean, you just literally just drag and drop things, and the product does everything else behind the scenes. It's it, There's no real learning curve to learn Comprise. So it really makes it simple for a customer to adopt it. Is there any... A risk of lock-in with your product. So in the moment I introduce uh, this appliance that makes all the, you know, data movements. Uh, so w what happens? Can, can I go back if I need to, you know, re reconstitute my old uh, filer, for example? Exactly. Yes, you can. And, you know, that's very interesting, Enrico, because, you know, just to give you some background, um, you know, comprise the, the, the core team here, uh, the founding team, we have done two other companies before Comprise, uh, and uh, all our companies have to do with data. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the thing we hear from customers over and over again in storage and data is that they really don't want to be locked in. You know, they're scared of getting locked into a vendor or locked into an architecture because the market is evolving so fast and you want to be flexible. Um, and we take that very seriously. So Comprise has pretty much, it's, it's mostly a stateless solution, meaning that Comprise works with all the storage via standard protocols. So we just use NFS, SMB, and REST S3 to communicate to the, to the storage devices. So there's nothing proprietary we're putting on any storage. And Comprise itself is not keeping a database. As it's moving data, it's actually putting all the metadata and all the data in the target itself, and it's keeping metadata on the source. So essentially, at any point, you can take Comprise out, and all your data is intact in your environment. And as you said, if you want to bring a lot of data back to your source, Comprise has a bulk recall capability to bring data back. Um, and the other thing I should point out is a lot of our customers move data through Comprise, and then they want to use the data in the cloud itself. And Comprise doesn't lock you in. So you, you don't just see blocks of data in the cloud. You see the entire file with all its access control and all its metadata. So you can access data directly as files in the cloud or as objects in the cloud. And you can also access it from the source. So really, we believe in a zero lock-in architecture on all fronts. And that's really important to us in how we built the product. And do you have any... Uh, security feature, like for example, uh, if somebody starts to read everything and change all the files, like uh, it happens for ransomware, for example, do you have mm -hmm. any mechanism to decide, look, there is something wrong here because somebody is reading everything? You know? mm -hmm. 
Yes. Uh, yeah. So compressed, uh, first of all, we fully preserve the access control on the data. So as long as when you access any data as files from the source or from the destination, all the original access control is fully preserved. Um, and the second thing is compressed does provide capabilities to limit recalls. Um, so, for example, if, there, if we move, let's say we moved 500 terabytes to the cloud and suddenly now somebody is trying to open up 100 of those terabytes, there are two reasons why you may not want that. One, you may not want it for, as you said, for security reasons, you know, why suddenly are so many files getting accessed and, uh, and uh, you know, is that a problem? The second reason might be when you're bringing data back from the cloud, you're paying a network transfer fee for everything. And do you really want to get 100 terabytes back in a month because your fee might be really, really high? So Comprise provides you controls where you can say, look, I don't want to do more than, you know, a terabyte a month of retrieval, or I don't want to do more than so many retrievals. And if it goes above that, uh, the, the administrator will get alerted. So Comprise does have controls like that so that you can actually manage what's happening to the data that you move to the secondary storage. And uh, is there any other feature that makes, uh, you know, your customer happy? Now you have a control over data, so maybe uh, there are some uh, other, you know, some icing uh, on the cake that could uh, make your customer happy. Yeah, no, we have a lot of features. I mean, Comprise actually, I, I talked mainly about our analytics and how we do the transparent archiving. Um, but in addition to that, Comprise also does replication, so you can use it to put a copy of data, a lower cost copy on a secondary storage, uh, and Comprise also does NAS to NAS migration, uh, so you can actually use it to move data from one filer to another, like maybe you're moving data to the cloud, and maybe you want to use EFS on Amazon, and you know you want to move data from your on-premises filer to Amazon EFS, you can use Comprise to do migrations as well, um, and and it does it and it provides the reporting around all of this. So it really provides you a full way to analyze and manage data independent of your storage and backup environments. That that's kind of the basis of the product. Oh, really nice. So uh, you mentioned your team. Uh, earlier, but uh, I forgot at the beginning to ask more about the company, the founders, its history, and so on. Maybe you can introduce Comprise uh, a little bit more officially. Sure. Um, so Comprise, um, you know, we started the company in 2014. Um, there's three co-founders. I'm one of the co-founders of the company, uh, and the three of us... Um, uh, I have to say, sadly, we've known each other for about 28 plus years. Um, and we met at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign uh, here in the U.S. Uh, that's where, um, you know, uh, Mike and Kumar, two of the founders, did their PhDs. And I did my master's in computer science uh, um, there. And uh, after that, we all moved to Silicon Valley. And uh, so we've worked together for the last uh, 25 plus years. Um, and... Uh, you know, where we built two companies before this. Uh, our last company was acquired by Citrix, uh, and it too had to do with storage. It essentially eliminated SAN storage for virtual desktops. Um, so we like to take uh, our own backgrounds are in distributed fault-tolerant computing. Uh, and so a lot of problems with data and storage uh, can be addressed with a nice distributed 
uh, scale-out architecture, and that's what we do. You know, we take these problems and we like to build a solution that's very simple to scale but simple to use and uh, non-intrusive. Uh, and uh, that's how we, you know, that was the idea behind Comprise. We actually created Comprise because our customers from our last two companies came and told us that today managing unstructured data is a big problem and they wanted a solution that didn't get in the way of what they were doing but would help them, you know, manage data regardless of where it lived. And that's what led us to create Comprise. Awesome. So I think we covered a lot about Comprise today and uh, the, the challenges of uh, secondary data. Uh, but uh, can you help me a little bit more? So can you give me your website, Twitter account, or uh, any other information that mm -hmm. can help our listeners uh, to reach uh, Comprise, to get a demo or uh, more information? Sure, that would be great. Um, you can find us on uh, Twitter. Uh, the um, uh, Twitter handle is at Comprise, K-O-M-P-R-I-S-E. Um, you can also come to our website, which is www.comprise.com. And Enrico, exactly as you said, uh, we also have a company page on LinkedIn, uh, and we post a lot of updates there. Uh, so you can, you can subscribe to our company page. Um, and if you're interested in uh, getting a demo or better still, even trying this in your own environment, uh, you can just uh, come to the website and, uh, you know, just fill a schedule a demo form and, you know, we'll, we'll get you access. Uh, so you can do that as well. You know, if your listeners are interested in trying the product out in their own environment, uh, please reach out to us. Very good. Hey, Krishna, thank you very much for your time today, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the discussion as I did, and uh, keep in touch for, uh, you know, the next updates from Comprise. Sounds great, Enrico. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.